Also, if your girlfriend was horrifically murdered in the bathroom, you're done. The yeah. house is like it donezo. Like you're For sure. You're never gonna take a bath in that bathtub again. Ever. Like you're not brushing your teeth there. No. Like definitely not. We're like the her blood was like written happy birthday. Like that whole thing's done. Horror movie survival guide is a weekly podcast where two unlikely gore hounds delve into our horror movie notebook from college, in which we meticulously kept track of every film we watched in the horror movie section of our local video store in our quest to learn how to survive and to ensure we end up as As the the final final girl. Join Julia and Marion as we revisit the classic and obscure horror VHS we viewed and logged in our notebook, breaking each movie down one by one, speaking out over all the ghastly minutiae, and ultimately illuminating the path to survival. Hey everyone. Hello. Welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide. I'm Julia. I'm Marion. This is episode 72 entitled jesus that chair really kicks ass because again we're wes craven we're doing 1989's shocker written written and directed by mr wes craven tagline no more mr nice guy it's pretty simple yeah it's pretty pretty easy peasy uh this movie was made for five million dollars okay and it made 16 million dollars okay so like sleeper hit it did well okay ish yeah i mean it's money wise money wise yeah Perhaps Mr. Craven was not as uh, thrilled, but we do have another Wes Craven signature in that there is a theme song. There is oh oh it's this is the whole Alice Cooper yeah. yes because they provided all the music so this, this it's very like it's a metal very metal soundtrack so, yeah. that, so that I know quite a few people who like this movie all guys who are admittedly also metal fans so that might oh. have something to do with because there's like, like this metal it's a rock horror. and soundtrack yeah okay and I know that there's a lot of like kind of overlap between sort of like what Alice Cooper was doing was like mixing horror and metal and right. blah 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 so like this movie was trying to take advantage of that perhaps, perhaps? so okay. I can say, I guess, uh, but it also there's a lot of uh, so this is this is you know this was Wes Craven's idea to like t- take it back right? right like they they screwed up Freddy Krueger made and him it all goofy too silly too silly mm-hmm. so let's take it back right and try something different try something new yes this was his big it was going to be the launch of a new franchise yes. featuring Horace Pinker which by his estimation was going to be just as uh, long of a franchise character as Freddy Krueger and this was going to be the beginning of it. Um, I gotta say, uh, I, d- I don't really see how that plan was going to work. No. Um, and it's interesting because I had seen on YouTube, they uh, had uh, clearly had like Entertainment Tonight or somebody like on set of Shocker. And they were interviewing Wes Craven about it. And he is all enthusiasm. He's just like, I think this is some of the scariest stuff I've ever done. I think Horace, you know, Pinker is as scary, if not more than Freddy Krueger. Like I, you know, he really like this was the launch of a new franchise. Like, absolutely. And because his criticism was about Freddy being made to be silly when it was otherwise, you know, whatever. From that footage, it makes it look like Horace is a very serious serial killer kind of thing. And that is so not how that character, the character comes off in this film. So I find the whole thing a bit confusing. And I feel like, you know, how everyone kind of gets their one with a filmmaker. It's just, you just, you lost it for just a second where whatever it is, perspective or your ability to look back at yourself or whatever, you just, it it wasn't it. It, And I feel like that's it with Shocker. It is. It's just like a dubious, like you have a character who's, who's, you're like, oh, this character's too goofy. Let me make this one who's just as goofy and has just, just as many as goofy. one-liners. Yes. And then there's so many parallels to Nightmare on Elm Street in yeah. this. And it's like, even the opening is like, you have somebody in a workshop. Mm-hmm. What are they doing? What are they building? And right. it's, there's like, you know, instead of a guy, a main girl, you have a main guy. It's right. Like, you're like, you like flip it a little bit. So it's slightly yeah. different. But you're, but to me, it feels like, how can I make another Nightmare on Elm Street and like 
that's where you start. Right. Where it's just like, I'm just going to change things just enough so it's not the same movie, Mm -hmm. but a lot of the same plot and a lot of the same beats and a lot of the same like fears and nightmares and like, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's just not as puzzling and not as scary and not as original and, you know, like there's nothing to me. It it feels very uninspired. Agreed. Which is weird for him to be super inspired. Agreed. Yeah. And I also think too, because what to me to not kind of, you know, and again, it's like this, you created this, this whole thing was your bag to kind of not understand what made that so amazing. Just in this, it's not even about the idea necessarily, but just in terms of tone, like what made Freddie so scary to start off with was the way in which he was treated. I feel like if he was treated like soul pizza, you know, out of the gate, like that character would not be what it became, you know? And so, but out of the gate, Horace Pinker is not all serious. I think if you did this character, serial killer character, who, you know, the actor looks quite scary and, Mm -hmm. you know, is running around with knives and, you know, killing people just willy-nilly. But the movie doesn't take him that seriously. And I'm flummoxed as to why that is. I I am as well. I I really want this movie to work well and this movie does not work well. And the bones of it should. It should really work well. And the parts that it doesn't seem to be Wes Craven's fault. And it hurts me to say. I know. know, I never want to say anything negative about him but then sometimes you have to and you go, well, you're a great filmmaker but sometimes your instincts are wrong. And this is uh, one of those, I I think. think, Yeah. Uh, But we do have Ted Raimi as Pac-Man. That's true. That's exciting. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so there's and yeah, there's, there's some interesting casting in this. So we'll jump into it. So basically, yeah, Horace Pinker is um played by Mitch Pelegi, for those who are big X-Files fans. Um, and uh it's basically killer on the loose kind of situation, and he's been out killing people for quite a while. And we meet um Jonathan Parker, who is played by Peter Berg, uh, who's a football player and he's at practice and he's getting yelled at by his coach for not paying attention and he, he's eyeing the ladies. Yeah, and he's saying he's having trouble sleeping lately um and we meet ted Raimi, who is like his nerdy best the, friend who's the radish basically who's right totally the radish because the radish is in final exam is like the guy who's not on the football team but right. like helps with the inventory and stuff exactly which is totally <laughs> what pac-man is totally yeah um and we also meet rhino who's like his best friend who's also on the football team we meet allison who's his girl um and the beginning of this film kind of starts in familiar west craven territory we're like um, Jonathan and his girlfriend are kind of going for a walk home and they walk by an old house and suddenly the m- mood kind of gets sort of fantastical and kind of, um, you know, you're like, okay, there's like leaves blowing and the, you know, color scheme seems to change. And um, he sees a van. He looks at his old family house and there's a van outside that says like Pinker Repair. Um, and he goes inside and his he finds one family member dead on the floor with like his fingers broken and he runs upstairs and that's where we meet Horace Pinker, which is basically this enormous looking convict with like a shaved head and a limp and he's got a ridiculously enormous knife and he's like threatening his family and his family screaming and freaking out and all this kind of stuff um and he wakes up and it's a nightmare um but he gets a call um uh that his family which actually turns out to be his foster family that he's a foster child who's adopted into this family has all been murdered and basically they were murdered exactly the way that it played out in his dream um, so and his, he knows. He knows. And his dad, much like Nancy's dad, um, is a lieutenant. Uh, and he's the one who's chasing the killer. So the news media is like, oh, the guy who's chasing the killer, his family has been killed. All of them except for Jonathan and his dad. Um, so they have the whole funeral. And after the funeral, they go to a bar and he tells his dad, I dreamt this. 
Like I dreamt all of that. And I know who did it. Yeah. I can tell you. I saw him. I know what he looks like. So let's go get this guy. Yeah. But much like John Saxon in Nightmare, he's like, no, go home, get some sleep. You're crazy. P.S. You're also a kid, all other things. But um, Jonathan, I think, gets to a more determined place than Nancy does. I feel like it takes Nancy a bit longer, maybe because the character's a bit younger. Mm -hmm. But I feel like Jonathan, more out of the gate, is like, no, I'm coming with you. We're doing this thing. So basically, 15 minutes in, it's like father and son against Horace. Like, that's how this is going to play out. But I like Jonathan's so much less than I like Nancy. <laughs> Why do you think that is? I don't I don't know. I don't find Peter Berg to be terribly compelling in this film. I agree. I think he's a good actor, but and I know he's, you know, does is now a, a director, but um I don't think he's particularly good in this film. No, I don't either. I feel I like there's know. a lot of moments where like the mark is missed mm-hmm. by what certain scenes are meant to be. I think he's interesting, but it's just I just find him he just seems kind of like a the kid where you're like, okay, enough. I'm sick of you. Like, you're so annoying. Like, uh, you just, I don't feel like I'm on his side particularly. And okay. I feel like I should be and I'm not. Yeah, like you should uh, empathize more with him, yeah. but you just find him annoying. What do you find annoying about him? That he he seems very kind of smug almost. Oh, like I know what's best. I'm doing this. Yeah. Got it. Like, Come okay. on, dad. Like, you know, that kind of thing. Interesting. Like, uh, okay. You kind of bug. Interesting. Okay. Do you think it would be different if his character was female? Or do you think it would be still annoying? Uh, I don't know. It would, have, it would be a different actor, so it'd be hard to say. Oh, that's I, true. I think it's just it's a, the actor, and I don't dislike Peter Berg as an actor in general. Like, yeah, I've seen him in lots of other stuff, and he's been fine. But in this, I'm like, Ugh, agreed. You yeah. kind of annoy. Uh, but they so he talks to Dad and the cops to go over to Pinker's Repair, where he right. they illegally break in and like, right. yeah, we heard a strange noise. We yeah, we went inside. Details, details. Uh, and of course. It's all wrong. It all goes so wrong. And the the murders, like, the basically, it's like they showed up with a bunch of cops and the cops all start getting, like, offed quickly. It's pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Pinker doesn't really mess around. Um, and, and I like that aspect of his character. Agreed. Where he's just completely, and he's never flummoxed by anything. He's just yeah. like, oh, the cops show up? Oh, well, I kill them all. Yeah, just And kill then all I'm going to steal this uniform and then I'll escape. But, like, yeah. he, he never gets, like, he's he's just... It's almost Krug-like in his sort of like viciousness where he's just like dispatching people like and I just don't care. Like mm-hmm. I don't care. Like I'm just going to I'm going to keep getting away and I'm going to keep killing. And there's not necessarily like a big deep dark motive for him to do these killings. Yeah. He's just like I'm just full monster. Yeah. Full monster. Yeah, and, they, don't, uh, they don't ever really give him a motive. No. And I don't it wouldn't it wouldn't do anything for the movie too. Yeah. You know, not really. Um. So yeah, he basically disguises himself as a cop and escapes and basically everyone is massacred except for Jonathan and his dad. Um, and so there's all this news footage about, you know, Jonathan and about him sort of like he's going to because he's kind of a local football star. And like, despite his family being murdered, he's going to go play in the big game tonight. And uh, you have this really sweet scene with him and his girlfriend, Allison, where, you know, she's sort of telling him how much she loves him. And, you know, they have like this necklace exchange and all this kind of stuff for their anniversary. Um but then he totally goes off and leaves her to play in the game. And you're just like, she's toast. She's yep. so toast. And Did I you, feel like this is a big horror movie survival guide tip where don't leave your girlfriend when there's a serial killer on the loose and the killer knows you're on to him. Yeah. You don't leave her. Just don't. Or him. Like, don't leave your boyfriend either. Like, ladies. No, like anybody. Yeah. You just because they're going to come because if they know that you're on to them, they're fully going to do the like kill you and everyone you love because he already did it to his entire family. Right. So like, what are we doing? Come you on, know? Jonathan. Yeah. Go get your priorities straight. Um, so he, uh, he, he goes, comes, he goes yeah. and comes back to uh, a little a little message on the mirror. Yeah. Uh, happy birthday. 
John, uh, happy birthday, Jonathan Horace Pinker in his girlfriend's blood because she's a big bloody mess in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, they're definitely doing the thing where the cops it's I, again, it, it harkens back to sort of the thing with Glenn where like, it's a nightmare and they're like, you don't want to go in there. Like you don't want to see it. Um, and he does anyway, and he's all tortured about it. Um, and, uh, and they do, you know, his next plan is to see where Horace, to find out where Horace is. But to find out where Horace is, he has to fall asleep. And he's got to have a friend there watching I mean, over him. it's just and like, like waking him up. happened, Wes. We yeah. saw this already. We saw, we saw Nightmare on Elm Street, man. Yeah. So And it, it's so weird to have this movie come after Serpent in the Rainbow, which is such a like totally. adult, mm-hmm. like I'm doing adult stuff now. And then it's like, oh, but wait, you've just backtracked. Why and a totally unique concept and mm-hmm. a totally just, again, really well thought out, really, you know. Um, but no, it's just, it's very, very familiar. And so, yeah, so he falls asleep um, and he sees where the next murder is going to happen and he takes the police there. And um, there's like some spectacular athletics that are done where Jonathan ends up chasing Horace Pinker across the roof yeah. and they get into this fight on the rooftop, which was kind of fun. Like he runs up and like jump kicks him in yeah, the back. Like two foot in the back. <laughs> yeah, jump kicks him. And then they're like, and doing those fights that I really enjoy where people just start picking up things that are readily available. Uh-huh. So he like picks up like a TV aerial and is like smashing it with an uh, uh, TV aerial. And then he's trying to put his face in an air vent. And it's just this, you know, big, ridiculous fight. But eventually the police uh, jump in and save him and they capture Horace Pinker. Who was taken away laughing. Yeah. And then we just and then he tells his uh, Jonathan tells his dad, like, I want to watch him die. Yeah. Like says it repeatedly. I and his dad's like, cry. OK, sure. Yeah. Like, oof. Yeah, it's a bad place to be. It's in pretty dark. But I like how the dad kind of looks at him, like, "Wow, my son's really, really gone off the rails there." But okay, um, but and all right, we're just doing like this. right to the electric chair. Let's just get right to it. Yeah. So, do they actually have viewing rooms in which you they get do. to watch people? Okay. Yes. And that person can't see you though, right? Because it seems in this that it's like he can see everybody in the room, you but can. I would assume it's a one-way glass. It's not. It's not. Mm-mm. Oh my God! So yeah. They could be like looking you in the face as it happens. That's yeah. terrible. Why did they not do one-way glass? Yeah. I mean, why do they care? Because I, I wouldn't. You wouldn't want to watch. You wouldn't want to have them look. You're at about you. to kill this person. Yeah, like okay. you're not really just like, oh, is that inconvenient for the? You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. that's yeah. Um, I looked it up, and there actually are five states where if you, uh, there are 31 states that still have the death penalty, and five of which, if you, they give you a choice, and one of your choices is the electric chair. So if it's Alabama, Florida, South Carolina, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Virginia. Okay. And all of those places, if you so opt, this can be done for you. Um, this part of the movie got a little weird for me because, you know, obviously that was a thing. And that's how we did capital punishment for a bit. And when they show the chair, because obviously that's like the chair is like all over the movie poster, a big part of it. I mean, it's called Shocker. So yeah. like we know this is coming. But there's like this weird metal rock montage as it kind of like swoops around the chair and you see it in all its glory made me a little uncomfortable okay i was like mm, it's like too a little too real a little too yeah i don't know this is how we actually do it yeah i don't know i don't like it um uh but then we jump into that was immediately overshadowed by jumping into an even weirder sequence which felt very child's play that i had a lot of trouble with the child's play where obviously horace knows a lot about you know electro electronics and all this kind of stuff because that was his actual job before the murder stuff happened and uh they go to collect him to go take him to the chair and he has connected himself to a television oh, yeah. via some sort of jumper cable system and there are candles all around him that's in a kind of ceremonial way and he is electrocuting himself and he's saying like, come on, come on, like he wants something to happen 
And then this weird mouth, like lips come out of the TV and says, you got it. Literally wrote in my notes, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, what? What? You know, that black magic where you get to harness electricity. But again, it's like Child's Play where I'm like, where's the black magic coming from? Where is this coming from? Like, why are characters suddenly 40 minutes into a movie being like, oh, yeah, black magic? Like, just, you know. Well, they mention when they find his electronic shop that there seemed to be evidence of animal sacrifice and black magic in his shop. They set up a little bit. Maybe a little. It's a little strange. I know. uh, This just begins the the ride of electricity ridiculousness that this movie is going to go along. But it's interesting because like that whole black magic thing doesn't factor into the Nightmare on Elm Street Freddy Krueger mythos at all, at least not in early days. But like the whole thing about him being dead, getting your dreams, blah, blah, blah. Like no problem. Right. Like the actual switch over that he like got powers from a demon or Satan or somebody to come back. They, They gloss over all that. Right. Whatever, you know, it's just like he's dead. He was awful. He just came back, you know, but I don't understand. It seems like in these later films where they're just like, but it's just it's too complicated if it's just they come back black magic. And I don't know. I just scapegoat black magic. I always find it really silly and I have no idea what the lips and the you got it. Like, what is that? That's supposed to be like their God. Like I I, is just confusing. Um, So he looks like he's unconscious and the guards are like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. And they try to resuscitate him. Which is a terrible idea. Yeah, he's going to die in like the next minute anyway, right? Never like, do CPR on the big bad, no. ever, for no reason. I feel like that's a really big tip. Like, I understand no. they don't want to get in trouble with the boss because they let him die before he was supposed to die. Right. But he's going to die. Right. Let him die. Yeah. No. no. Or you could get your tongue bitten off by Horace Finker. Is that what happened? Because I knew it was going to happen and I looked away. Uh, um, but yeah. I could hear a man screaming. Did they get to, did Horace bite his tongue off? Uh, he rips his lip, like his lip off. Gross. Yeah. Okay. And then fingers got eaten or something? Mm, yeah. Okay. Because I thought like it looked like people like a guy. I, I, I kind of glanced up and then a similar guard only, had, bad, only had three fingers. But he's, of course, he's delighted by it. Yeah. He's like finger looking good. Totally. So we start L- off. Literally says that. With yes, the one-lighters. Where that's I'm like, the thing. I thought you hated the one-lighters, Wes. Yeah. What are you doing? And also, you know. I've seen Mitch Plague and other things. I think he's a very good actor and also known in sort of throughout his most famous role in the X-Files for super underplaying and super being understated and very stoic and a very serious, you know, there's kind of actors having a good time and playing megalomania, you know, in some degrees. And I think he overplays it to the point where it's not scary. Yeah, it's And he looks very scary. So it's the kind of thing where I'm like, you don't need to do all this, man. Like, you look like a scary dude. So, like, the finger looking good you know laughing crazy it it makes him less scary mm-hmm. and it's a shame because i'm like you you got everything you got all the tools like you don't need to do that extra stuff but obviously i feel like Wes craven or whoever enjoyed it and yeah. thought it you know but it doesn't and he's got this they eventually take him back into the chair and he has this crazy monologue where he basically tells jonathan you are my kid like uh you're I the tr- reason i have this limp Yep. Yeah. Like I tried to, you know, I was like, I killed your mother. I killed your siblings, I think. And um, and then you fought back and I think you shot me in the kneecap. Is that mm-hmm. it? Yeah. And then like, that's why I had the limp. It's all you pull the switch. Let's do this thing. And, you know, the There's model- a sweet push pull with John. There is a sweet push pull. <laughs> um, but they, you know, have this, you know, it's, a, it's 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 not a bad monologue. And because I know he's a good actor, it wasn't scary, though. Mm-hmm. You know, like I felt like it was supposed to be a big, scary reveal where like the movie just went up two notches. Yeah, and you're my kid, like father, like son. And it didn't yeah. like I didn't feel that at all. And I was like, oh, that's a shame. Um, but when they actually do pull the switch, it is something um, that thing goes pretty crazy. Um, the executioner ends up dying. There's a doctor in there and they it, it's kind of meant to be seen as like they kind of 
my, much like other executions happen, like it didn't go quite right. And so he's burned, but not dead. But then when the ex, uh, the doctor goes up to actually like check his heart, she gets a shock and then the whole room just explodes into sparks and everything is crazy. And they come in to like, look at his body and he kind of slumps from behind a door and he just kind of catches fire and disappears in his own suit. Mm-hmm. Which What's the problem with that, Mary? questions okay questions. No, no, don't, worry, uh, don't worry about it um so they're like well all right and that's uh uh that's when um jonathan's dad says jesus that chair really kicks ass um but during the whole thing it was like the chair caught fire he caught fire i wrote what is happening like yeah. it, it was all very kind of confusing but the doctor who's been shocked is taken away off to the hospital by two other cops um and uh and jonathan has this feeling like i know he died and i know we just watched him burn up but i don't think he's dead Seems lots like of, lots of hunches. Lots of hunch- <laughs> he's got a lot of hunches. He's got about a lot things. of hunches. Uh, he's pretty hunchtastic, and uh, and so and it kind of bears itself out because as uh, the cops are like, "Is she going to be okay?" The doctor and she suddenly starts attacking them, and it's clearly Horace is inside her and makes them crash the car, and the car explodes, and it, they Jonathan sees the explosion from far away through the gate, and then that's when you have that amazing push pull. Uh-huh. I also found it puzzling that his friends were there outside the prison, so the coach. Pac-Man and Rhino, when he yeah. comes out after just watching a man get executed, they're all there. I'm like, hey, why are you guys all here? Your like, friends support you. Moral support when outside you go the jail. Things. What are you doing on Sunday? Oh, I'm just hanging, waiting for my friend when he finishes watching a guy be executed by the extra chair. It's, it's a tight team. It's cool. Maybe dinner. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So he has a dream about Allison coming back, who Alice, Dream Allison constantly scares him. Like, she, she's always like, Ugh, like jumping into frame, yeah. freaking him out. Like, you should want to be like comforting him. Which she does a little, but she does there's a little a lot bit. Of, like, they're just those jump scares. They got to come from somewhere. Yeah, definitely. And she gives him the necklace mm-hmm. and is like, this is how uh, we can beat him with our love. Right. <laughs> Snooze. Um, <laughs> but then he also wakes up and is like, oh, I actually have the necklace. Mm-hmm. Much like a hat one might find out yeah. of a dream in Nightmare on Elm Street. I know. Um, and then he, but he also like falls into his own waterbed, which becomes water. I don't know. Lots of those dream. Yeah. Like, I'm not really dream sure within a dream within a dream. So then we go to this enormous park scene. Oh, uh, yeah. Which uh, confusing on so many levels. Uh, I really like the idea okay. of a villain jumping from body to body. Yes. Especially when they are bodies you would not expect like a little girl. Yes. Cool. It's also a real fun trick to have actors all play the same their character. version of. Yeah. That's that's a blast. Who doesn't like that? Everyone likes to watch that. Yeah. Um, what we got uh, <laughs> um, was so it's initially one of the police officers that survived the car crash. He shows up at Jonathan's house and knocks on the door to be let in. And Jonathan can tell it's not right. And so the cop starts shooting at him through the door. Jonathan escapes out the back and the and cop Peterberg can haul ass. Yeah. I will tell you, they put that guy through his paces. You know, there is so much running, like full out running by Peter Berg in this film. Like he physically commits to it. Um, And so the cop's chasing him through a park and it's like shooting at him. But the cop, because Horace is in a cop's body who's not in the best of shape, becomes fatigued. And uh, he actually does hit him in the arm, like does shoot him Mm -hmm. in the arm. But he needs another body to transfer. So he transfers into a jogger that's Mm -hmm. come by that sees a cop shooting a guy. And it's like, what is going on? And then he shoots the jogger in the back uh, and then jumps into his body um, and then he jumps into the body of a, like a little girl on a bike and then he jumps into the body of her mother because Peter is like or Jonathan is like throttling this little girl right. as Horace and the mother's like get off my kid and then jumps into her and I feel like there's somebody else jumps into uh, so questions I have mm-hmm. uh, the limp 
I don't know. I know it's supposed to show us that it's Horace Pinker because yes. he's got the limp. But do we? Do, would he really limp in all these different bodies that don't have a limp? I don't think so. Like, I don't, I don't think so. I don't see why that works out. And why does he never jump into Jonathan's body? Because if he doesn't have Horace's strength, why would he have his limp? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because the cop is fatigued. It's like all oh, this body. Right. But that body has the limp. Yeah, yeah. it's confusing. What, which is, the other thing that I read about this movie uh, was funny, was that Mitch Pileggi came up with a totally different limp for it. And before, but before they started filming his scenes as Horace, they filmed the little girl doing the limp. Oh, and, and they now, were like, yep. Now you have to do this limp. Correct. And he was like, Oh, like he wanted to do, do a totally different. Yeah. So why does he not jump in Jonathan's body? Ever. Excellent question. These he's are all there. excellent questions. Is it because he's wearing the necklace? That's weird. Well, assume. if he wants Jonathan dead, because I mean, he can't like jump into his body and then shoot himself in the head because then he would need to have a new body. Right. I guess. Or you could just like go to a mall and shoot yourself in the head and then jump a into mall? your body. Well, because there's other people around. Oh, so right, then you right. can jump oh, into anybody oh, in his right, body. Right, you just right. need to be around like other people, you know? I don't know. These are all... I'm not... Horace, perhaps, is not the smartest guy that just worked out his weird black magic thing, but um, but then, yeah. And, and there's also, like, then... But Horace does manage to get the locket away from him and chucks it into a le- the lake, um, which Jonathan is like, no! Um, my weapon! My weapon! And even then, like, that weapon where it's like, it's a symbol of their love and he puts it in front of Horace's face and it's like, you know, Burning Dracula him, with, right. a, with a cross. It's... So then uh, Jonathan goes home to his home, which I'm also confused about because there's a part where it looks like he's like packed up his apartment. Yes. But then he's not. Right. And then he's like there. And I'm like, wait, I thought you were leaving. You're not leaving. Also, if your girlfriend was horrifically murdered in the bathroom, you're done. The house is like it donezo. Like you're sure you're never going to take a bath in that bathtub again. Ever. Like you're not brushing your teeth there. Like definitely not. We're like her blood was like written happy Mm -hmm. birthday. Like that whole thing's done. But Pac-Man coach and Rhino are like tending to his wounds and he starts to enlist them. Which again, because we know the lesson is always you got to go it alone, is a fatal mistake because he's you're like get all your friends killed, my yeah, friend. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so he he's like, we need to get the locket. The locket's how we're going to beat him. Um, and so like Pac-Man and the coach are supposed to go back to Jonathan's place to get um a mask, like a scuba diving mask that he's going to use to <laughs> go get my scuba diving mask. Guys. Go get my scuba diving. So I can scuba dive in this lake and find this locket. Yeah, that I'm going to use to defeat the big bad. <laughs> Whatever movie. Um, and uh, but uh, he does. Uh, he does tell Rhino like they're both at the lake waiting for um them to show up, and he does tell Rhino that you need to get lost. And Rhino's like, I kind of like Rhino you as do? like a best friend. I did, yeah, because I felt like that guy kind of underplayed the movie a bit, mm-hmm. and I kind of like him and. Uh, He's like, get lost. Like, you can't help me. I got to go. I got to do this my, on my own. He goes back to the house uh, and uh, sees Coach. But Coach has totally been taken over by Horace. That actor as Horace, my favorite. Really? My favorite. Yeah. I feel like that guy did a really good job of like, I'm the coach. I'm Horace. I'm the coach. I'm Horace. Yeah. Like, um, And he says that and they, we find Pac-Man's body in the closet. Yeah. And he said, Pac-Man wouldn't let me in because he liked you too much. Aww. Pac-Man. R.I.P. Pac-Man. Um, so, yeah. And then they have, and then Allison's ghost emerges. <laughs> this is where. Yeah. I just, I don't. Allison is so like she doesn't ever do anything. She just comes back and is like in ghosty makeup and then like shoots white light out of her chest and then they're like, Will him out of you, coach. And yeah, she like care bear stares. Yeah, like yeah, exactly yeah, what it coach. is. And I'm like, what are we doing, movie? Like, well, come on. Don't but care bear stare the bad it's guy. Your soul, the love, yeah, the love Mary. of my soul. And I'm like, come on. Um and uh yeah, and so you know, they tell the coach to fight him, and then the coach like stabs himself, which I think is kind of like noble sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Um and so Pinter, uh, Pinker comes out and he uh, 
decides to has the power now to jump into an electrical socket because uh-huh. I think the idea is that he has to jump into human beings because like the electrical activity in our bodies is enough for him but if there aren't people we're just gonna go into household appliances but it just happens like halfway through like you've been like body 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 uh now we're gonna be electricity now this is the new rule new oh. rules we just made oh. up right now okay. we're like an hour and a half into this movie but okay okay sounds good yeah uh, but Jonathan they do come in they say the coach and Pac-Man dead his and dad Jonathan shows up. is arrested by his own dad yeah because like I'm pretty sure you might have murdered all these people. But Rhino to the rescue. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. That's why I like you. I, see, this is the thing. is like you got to be alone and do it yourself. But also your friends do. Like he does save him. He does. But I, I think it's the like you can't really enlist your friends to do the thing with you that you need to do on your own. I think if your friends decide separately, I'm going to come in at the last minute. Awesome. But I just think that you do have to have the plan to go it alone. Mm-hmm. And the friends have to realize that, you know, it's they're taking a risk. Right. Like, it may not end well. Um, but then he does enlist Rhino and his, his other football buddies yeah. uh-huh. who, all, uh, who all, like, decide to dress in, like, black floor-length dusters. Yeah. I don't know. When breaking in somewhere. Yeah. I like it. It's a good thief burglar look. I guess. It's just very obvious. Matching. You might as well be dressed up as the hamburglar. Like, it's just, um, that would but, be amazing if someone actually dressed like the hamburglar like went and burgled stuff. That's really funny. Like you are not good at this, um, <laughs> but fun. Um, but yeah, the plan is like he basically he gets chased up uh, the dad and uh, is uh, taken over and they get... Uh, and he's my favorite. Oh, you enjoy him? Okay. I like the dad best because okay. he's real crazy. He is real crazy. Yeah, Horace takes over the dad and they have this chase that ends up... It's very very elaborate and somehow they end up at the top of a television station for moves five i got a tip yeah. don't just keep climbing they just keep climbing you just keep climbing you're gonna get to the very top you're gonna be like fuck i'm, I'm it's like for. it's like king kong they're yeah. like at like the top of like the empire state building you know <laughs> swatted at airplanes and be like i've made a huge mistake um and uh yeah and i also and horace does this thing where he often pretends to be the person that he's inhabited to be like it's really me i'm your pops come over here i'll stab you in your face um and so uh they you know basically they the horace ends up kind of coming out of the dad and jumping into the satellite dish mm-hmm. And then being zoomed across town into television. Yes. Everything I just said happened in this movie. Mm -hmm. That actually happened. Yeah, it's going to be. So it's the last half of this movie is going to be. And again, in concept. Yeah. Fantastic. In practice. Not so much. Yeah. We do get Timothy Leary as a televangelist. That's true. Which you got to give Wes Craven points for. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, like the, the plan is like, so, you know, he enlists the football team to break into a power station. And at a certain point, they're going to cut off all the power. And then he's going to have Horace trapped where he'll have no electrical device to jump into. Um, but what you what you get is the sequence where, and at some point, Allison gives Jonathan the powers where Horace can go into electrical devices, so Jonathan can too. Mm-hmm. And you have the sequence where basically he's chasing him through various cable television channels from like the late 80s, mm-hmm. including like a televangelist, including a scary movie, including, including like John a sitcom, Tesh. including John Tesh's like news report, and like John Tesh is like giving the news, and all of a sudden it's like, but Horace Pinker is here, and it's real goofy and real silly and they just keep fighting like all through you yeah, know I want it I want it to work because it's a good, it's a really good high concept but this is not the platform for this it's really really silly and it's also like because I think all the characters in these various programs see them it's just goofy you yeah, know you have, like the trashy white trash family yeah that's too far yeah too far I went on too long like just yeah way too long I think it's supposed to be the big climactic battle but it just seems tedious and it's the silliest stuff of the whole film so it seems weird where like the 
the climax of your horror film is like the silliest stuff. Yeah, it's not you're, scary. No, not at all. Um, and, and at this point, you're like, there. you don't know what the rules are. And yeah, that's the problem like, that I have. He, he like makes his like vibrating chair come to life with yeah. eyes and grab him and, and stuff. And he's like atta- being attacked by a chair. And it's just like, what? what? Like, what are we? I think that's the thing, too, is I, you know, with sometimes these things where it's kind of like magical realism in your horror film. I don't mind that and I don't need it to be all explained specifically with like who studies voodoo and who doesn't. Um, But if I don't know the rules and they seem like they keep changing, then it's like it's hard to be like, okay, you should do this. Don't do that. Do this. Like, but we don't know what it is. Like anything goes. So I guess Jonathan's big plan is he's going to have a live broadcast in the house where his family was killed and then bring Horace in and then he'll have this on live television. Yes. This big thing. Uh, And then but that ends up to this like remote control battle where he's like, you, you wanted to be in TV and now you play by its rules. And so he can fast forward him and pause Freeze him, frame him. And it's goofy, super goofy. And he can use the remote. Like when he does fast forward and rewind, he can use it to like throw Horace around the room, and beat him up. And it's just like, what are we doing? Like, what is, I don't know. And then Jonathan like flies into the video camera yes. and then is like flying through time or something. Yes. And then it's like comes out of his own television. Right. At home. Right. And then Horsebinker turns into static. Correct. The end. Movie. <laughs> Movie. Um, and then, and then like, because the, the uh, football team was able to turn off all the power Every one of the neighbors go outside and I think it's meant to be this commentary on like they go outside and look at the stars because they've all been glued to their televisions because like consumerism. Am I right, people? Yeah. And they look at the stars for the first time. And look all. how beautiful they are. Go for a walk. Credits. and mm. Whatever. Um, yeah. I'm I, sorry, Wes Craven. This movie's a mess too. I don't get it. I, I just don't. Get don't. It either. You know, maybe I need to like, like Metal Rock more or something yeah, more. Yeah, maybe if so there's like, like more things. A 12-year-old boy, this would be my, my, my jam. But yeah. as an uh, older lady confusing confusing would be a good word for this it's confusing um so gore factor is one not enough blood to fill a dixie cup two a puddle of blood three enough blood to gross out the average viewer four is a bathtub of blood and five is run for the barf bag and we both went to puddle of blood um i didn't see the whole lip business and i think that's the only time i looked away okay yeah uh movie ratings zero five chainsaws one if you're desperate two barely qualifies as a horror film Three, seen worse, seen better. Four, not too shabby. And five, fantastic I gave this a two, barely qualifies as a horror film. Agreed. You gave it a two and a half. Yeah. What's that half for? Don't know. Okay. I think it's, some, I don't know, what's Craven Generosity? I don't, there was, a, there was a better concept in this thing, I swear. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I feel like, you know, in the follow, his next feature he did after this is People Under the Stairs. And I feel like it did a better job of kind of merging this like light touch with dark horror it's just it's a it's a mess in this mm-hmm. movie. It's a total total mess. Um, and to me, it also breaks my heart to see like somebody who I know is a good actor be a profoundly unscary villain. Yeah, yeah, or an uh, inspiring hero. Yeah, you know, like what is what is that about? So you know, and with these kind of movies, you're always like, is it casting? Is it the script? Yeah, is it, like what is the issue? And I can't really pinpoint it. It seems to be yeah all. all and I, you know, the the heartbreaking thing is like he thought this was like the next big deal. Yeah, and you, and then he, I mean, it not didn't bomb. All. It made money. No, but not enough to start off a new franchise. No. It had to make like a kajillion dollars. Right. You know, um, but no, not at all. And also, it was like, where was this thing gonna go? Like, what were you gonna do with Horace? Like, because you know, the villain has to have some kind of growth or some sort of like you know track to go down as the sequels go on and on and on where you know you start this thing at a 12 like where are you gonna go with this yeah. you know if it was the opposite if it was like it started off that way and then Horace got darker and darker and darker as the sequels went on okay great like 
sign me up for number four shocker but like <laughs> n- like right off the gate this this was this even if this had been successful this not would, would not have been a franchise for me no me yeah neither. so so uh next week um well we're gonna go back to uh one of these films that i absolutely positively did not believe was a real film um has the title so so out there it's ridiculous um we're gonna be covering the dorm the drip blood um that's where they they got the title and yeah like write a movie around it. i think that's probably what happened it's, just, it's a really solid title um but uh it stars daphne Znuga yeah. and a whole bunch of other folks um so thank you for listening yep. be sure to uh check us out on our social media we are on all of the things and mm-hmm. we love to hear from you and uh, mm-hmm. we post pictures and questions and yeah and get things. a lot of really interesting responses we do so, yeah our kids are awesome right? yeah i also like just hearing people's like childhood memories of these movies that yeah. we're covering they're just like oh my god this is my nine-year-old nightmare oh my god i remember this in the video store we're just the podcast that brings back your nightmares <laughs> oh that's a good tagline Aww, ding. that is a good tagline mm, let's write down on that note <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna get any better than that <laughs> we'll see you next week all right bye guys